Um, but women are awesome. And I love that, um, even though it might be, you know, who, whoever decided that Mother's Day and Father's Day was going to exist. I just love that they take place. And it's a, an opportunity for us just to appreciate each other and the woman and the men in our lives. Do you know that women spend about one year of their lives deciding what to wear? Did that surprise men at all? No. And it's so crazy because you get home and you look in your room and there's like four different outfits tossed across the room. You know, just could in preparation of getting ready, you couldn't decide. Um, the average woman in the UK owns about 19 pairs of shoes and wears about seven. Yeah, because you just have to have those backup shoes, you know, just in case. Um, and funny thing is, is that Cinderella is proof that a new pair of shoes can change your life, right? There's always room for a new pair of shoes. Even a second-hand pair, that does it, you know, just trade me, all those kinds of things. A new pair of shoes always can change your life. You know, and men, you know, they say that a woman should come with instructions, okay, because apparently we're so complicated, rada, rada, rada. Um, but I guess my question is, what is the point of that? Because men don't read instructions. So I think God left that out on purpose. You know, um, women are so different from men. Like, I, it's just our bodies are different. They're more awesome. Our bodies are different. And I kind of think that God made man and then decided I can actually improve that. And, you know, he, he added in the things he forgot to add in with men. Do I hear an amen to that? Sorry, sorry, men, this is about women today. But, you, you know, like, it's all about celebrating the woman. Um, do you know our reproductive systems are different? We don't have to get a map for that or a, a picture for that. Our muscle mass is different. Our bone densities are different from each other. Do you know that women have more pain receptors receptors and a higher pain threshold and I think Putty is happy that I am the one that gave birth three times with no pain relief so um, there's definitely an ability for women to endure a lot of pain um, women have a unique ability to childbear um, and nurture little people you know, men are fathers, mothers, a woman are mothers, and both are to be honoured. And we actually receive, the Bible talks about how um, to give your husband respect. The woman is, the wife is to respect her husband, and the man is to love his wife. We actually receive love and give love differently. You know, the Bible teaches that women are equals set apart for special honour, which is, you know, that's pretty awesome. I can be, I'm happy to be honoured. Um, husbands are commanded to love their wives, I love this, sacrificially as Christ loved the church, even if necessary at the cost of his life. Now that's honour right there. The Bible acknowledges and celebrates the priceless value of a virtuous woman. In um, Luke 8, verse 1, the, uh, the scripture today, Mark, so we haven't chatted, is Luke 7, 36, but we won't track it up right now, um, to 50. Um, 
you know, Luke 8, Jesus included several women um, as his disciples, a practice unheard of among rabbis that day. He encouraged their discipleship. Christ recorded, uh, first recorded disclosure of his identity as a true Messiah was made to a woman, a Samaritan woman at the well. He treated women with the utmost dignity, even women who might otherwise be regarded as outcasts. He blessed their children, raised their dead, forgave their sin, restored their virtue and honour. He exalted the position of womanhood, especially in a day where women had taken to a lowly place in society, especially since the fall. They were second class, had limited positions in society. Jewish leaders often viewed them as light-minded and silly and a threat to a male's spirituality. Yeah, that doesn't happen with an iPad, does it? <laughs> um, but we both bear the stamp of God's image. We were created equal. Different bodies, different roles, but the equal and sole purpose of glorifying and honoring God. And as women, we can actually honor God in a way that men can't. Men can't. Do you know, like, men don't speak 25,000 words a day or whatever the figure is. Do you know, we have more words to honor him with. We have the desire to use more words to honor him. We are so different, and we, we express a different angle of who God is. And the ultimate goal is to bring honor to him. And the thing I love about honor is the way that it takes focus off myself and puts it back on him. For example, when I'm in an argument, the, the, my, myself wants to defend, myself wants to pull back, myself wants to withdraw. But to honor God is to push in, to be honest, to be vulnerable. And there's nothing better than doing things right and honoring God. You know, what does honor look like? It's not allowing the society around you to change your adoration for Jesus. It's trusting Jesus. It's worshiping him with no expectation to worship before your miracle. Let's explore this in the light of a prostitute who came to Jesus and honored him more than the religious man that Jesus was eating with. In Luke 7, verse 36 to 50. All right, let's go. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to come to his home for a meal. So Jesus accepted the invitation and sat down to eat. Now, feminists in today's world would hate the Pharisee. The Pharisee was a religious, um, uh, part of a religious group that followed Old Testament laws and also had their own religious traditions. They didn't like women because women had a great potential to make them unclean. And if you were unclean, you had to go wait outside until you've been... Um, enough days, depending on what the, the thing that made you unclean was, and you had to wait it out before you could enter back into society. Um, they were the strongest defendants of the Jewish, of the Judaism, Judaism? 
They were strict. They were tough. And this man invited Jesus into his home. And a certain immoral woman who was a prostitute heard he was there, heard that Jesus was having dinner with this man and brought a beautiful jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. When the Pharisee who was the lost, uh, who was the host, saw what was happening and who the woman was, he said to himself, "This proves that Jesus is no prophet. If God had really sent him, he would know that what kind of woman was touching him. She's a sinner. See, prophets wouldn't allow a woman to touch him because that." would make him unclean. But Jesus had allowed this woman, a sinner, a prostitute, to touch him. That's why the Pharisee was like, well, fine deal. I now know that you're not from God. Then Jesus spoke up and answered his thoughts. Simon, he said, I have something to say to you. I don't know about you. I don't know how Jesus would have said that. Because I'm like, yeah, Jesus, get in there, get in there. Knock him down, you know. Simon, get here, come here. I've got something to tell you, you know. Like, you, um, or was it Simon? Come on now, come here. I'll be gentle, you know. But I kind of like the idea that he's really getting in there to kind of nail him on the head. All right, teacher, Simon replied. Go ahead. Whether it was said with sarcasm, I don't know. Then Jesus told him a story. A man loaned money to two people: five hundred pieces of silver to one, and fifty pieces to the other but neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave them both. Cancelling their debt, debts, what you do you suppose loved him more after that, the man who owed 500 or the man who owed 50? He replied, I suppose the one for whom he cancelled the larger debt. That's right, said Jesus. Look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet. But she washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss of greeting, but she kissed my feet again and again from the time I came in. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head. But she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. Just let me pause there. This Pharisee totally missed his moment. He totally missed his moment. You know, how many times have we missed our opportunity to honour him? But uh, I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me love. But a person who has forgiven little shows only little love. He said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. The men at the table said among themselves, who does this man think he is going around forgiving sins? And Jesus said to her, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. You know, what does honour look like? It's not allowing society around us to change the way we adore and honour our Jesus. It's trusting him 
and it's worshipping him with no expectation to worship before your miracles. See, she didn't allow society, her surroundings, to affect the way she worshipped, her ability to bring honour. She knew that she was a disgrace to this Pharisee, this man, Simon. She knew that she would be despised. Men would stand at a distance and be like, I'm not going near her. This was a religious group of people at her house. You heard other men said, how can Jesus do that? They would have stood there distanced. In this situation, a prostitute is teaching us true worship. She said, it doesn't matter how you view me. I am going to worship anyway. It doesn't matter how you view me. I am going to worship my Jesus anyway. She didn't allow the society around her. She didn't allow the men around her. She didn't allow the people around her to stop her from worshipping. What stops you worshipping your Jesus? Shame, fear, embarrassment? That's what stops me. What stops you from pushing that conversation to the next level? To honour your Jesus. To bring Jesus into that person's situation. Maybe it looks like this or sounds like this. It doesn't matter what you believe. It doesn't matter that you don't believe. I am going to pray for you anyway. It doesn't matter what I heard you say about me. I am going to help you anyway. It doesn't matter that I am intimidated. I'm going to represent Jesus anyway. It doesn't matter because he is all that matters. If you're not going to praise him, it doesn't matter because I am going to praise him anyway. She didn't allow society, people, family, friends determine how she was going to worship. She was going to worship the way that she knew. And this was actually a common practice to come and bring perfume and wash feet. Three other women in the New Testament did it. She was going to worship the way she knew she could best regardless of what these people thought. She trusted in Jesus. She, from what I've read, she hasn't talked or been with Jesus before, but she's obviously heard. She's heard enough to find out where he is and to go to where he is. But sure, there was a lot at risk. Did She knew that this, that Jesus declared himself a prophet, would, would he let me touch him? Would he, would he let me wash his feet? She entered that house uninvited. No one invited her. The host despised her. And she risked touching Jesus, who declared himself a prophet. And according to this man, Simon, a prophet would not let a sinner touch him. But I just began to read in Luke, just maybe, maybe in what we read about in Luke 2, maybe she heard from someone about how the angels approached the shepherds in the night. And a host of armies followed and they declared that Christ had been born in Bethlehem. Something in me tells me that she knew that story. 
She'd heard that story. Or what about um, and following after that, she either was there or she heard about the doves descending on Jesus as he was baptized. And a voice said, this is my son, my beloved, in whom I'm well pleased. If she had been around Jesus, she would have heard him talking with authority, heard how he healed Simon's mother-in-law with fever and others, no matter what their disease. Maybe she knew the man were healed of leprosy in chapter 5, or she might have just been one of the many who heard of his power as news spread rapidly throughout the region of Jesus' power. She probably knew someone who saw the man descend from the roof paralyzed as four men brought him before Jesus. He was healed of his sin. He was healed of his sin. Maybe I can be healed of mine. Maybe I can be healed. Jesus said to that man, your sins are forgiven. And he got up and walked. Maybe Jesus can do that to me. Jesus ate with sinners. Just maybe he'd eat with me. I bet she definitely heard what Jesus said in chapter 6. She hears Jesus say, don't judge Forgive. Give and your gift will return to you. Press down, shaken together to make room for more and running over. Maybe that's why she bought her perfume. She said, I heard Jesus say, if I bring my gift, maybe he can transform my life. If I bring my gift, maybe he can turn my life around and give me back what I couldn't only dream of. Jesus says not to judge. I can put the Pharisees out of my mind. I hate them for the way they treat me. I hate them for the way they despise me. They don't know where I'm from. They don't know what I've been through. But I'm not going to judge them. I'm just going to come before my Jesus. And forgive. If I can forgive myself, I can forgive the people who have mistreated me. She either heard or saw some or all of this. And I can just see that she doesn't care anymore. She's seen Jesus. She's heard Jesus. Something within her is just desiring more of who she is. Her life is at the bottom. And she doesn't care anymore. She busts into that house weeping. She gets her perfume and she pours it on Jesus' feet before someone kicks her out. She doesn't care about her shame. With tears, she washes away, she washes Jesus' feet, trusting fully in all that she has heard and seen. Desperate to build her life on him. I truly believe when we stop seeing, when we stop reading, when we stop hearing, we stop honoring. See, the more you know, the more you trust him with your sin, your shame, and your disgrace. She didn't allow society to determine her worship, her honor. 
she trusted in the Jesus that she heard. Do you trust in your Jesus? Do you read the word and believe it? As she worshipped, I'll get Jack, do you want to come up? It'd be awesome to have you up here. She honoured Jesus with no expectation, just simply because of who he is. She honoured him before her miracle. To honour Jesus only on the mountain, only on the highs, only in our times of miracles, I would go as far to say that that isn't true honour. That isn't honouring who he is, the constant that he is for us. A friend of mine had a miscarriage. And it was a really rough miscarriage. A friend of mine in Auckland. And the next Sunday I saw her in church, worshipping with all that she had. Tears streaming down my face. me that was just honour worshipping Jesus despite her situation I was chatting with a friend the other day about our tithes and how sometimes you know we, we give our tithes and I see the amount go out and every now and again I think boy that would be helpful in my hand and she said to me Amanda if it was 40% I'd still give it anyway putting my dishonour in its place. In what circumstances does your honour disappear? Maybe when we're tired? That's when I yell at the kids more. I'm on Facebook more. Do we only treat our spouse well when we're happy? How is God honoured in our arguments, in our celebrations? Do we honour him there? Our highs and our lows. When you're under pressure at work, or heaven forbid, in a traffic jam. When you win, or when we lose. How does honour look like? What does honour look like when we're disciplining our children? Bringing honour into our loss, our depression, our anxiety. In every circumstance, bringing honour to Him because that's where life is and worshipping Him before anything And do you know what? Jesus honoured this woman. When I was desired a husband, got one, boom, good one too. Do you know, sometimes I'd be tempted not to go to church or to, because I had a, a boy that I liked that wasn't part of church or however. Look, and God would always speak to me and say, Amanda, if you honour me, I will honour you. So I always put him first 
in that department. God always comes through. Always. It might not be the way we hoped. You know, the promises we want God to come through on can often be different to the promises He has given us. You know, we want Him to come through with a husband, a job, the lottery, but it doesn't happen. And this is not a disclaimer just in case He doesn't come through, because He always comes through. Our mission on earth is to honor Him, bring glory to His name no matter what comes our way. We give glory to Him in the good and in the bad. Because He doesn't change with our circumstances. He remains the same. He is our rock, our constant. And we need Him in our ever-exciting but changing, unpredictable lives. This woman has taught us the simplicity of pure adoration and honor what it truly looks like to honor our Jesus, putting him first, trusting him, and honoring him in every circumstance. Because he will honor us as we honor him. Come on, let's stand to our feet. I'll get the worship team up. So where in our lives can we bring Jesus more honor? I want to encourage you to step out and be brave. And don't worry about the reaction of others. I want to finish this one story that of insight that Jesus gave me into my friend's world. I'd known her since intermediate, and we're still friends now, but she lives in Whangarei, so we don't see each other much. But for a while, she lived here in Wellington teaching. She doesn't know Jesus. Well, she doesn't. She definitely says she's not a Christian. And we would catch up like once every six months or so. We'd make an effort to kind of, you know, and the conversations would always be just about this person and that because that was our common ground because we hardly ever saw each other. Like, how's so-and-so doing? You know, we were like a, a, there were four of us in intermediate that hung out catch up on what everything's going and you know I'd bring church into it and you know I was working for church at the time so that was kind of like an easy inlet you know I'd always had the goal that I would somehow bring a bit of Jesus into our conversation but it never really got as far as I would have liked because I had like confidence courage and Jesus and I just thought you know how how come she hasn't really said that she wants to come to church? You know, I haven't invited her or anything like that yet. And Jesus just took me into her thinking and said, Amanda says she's a Christian, but she never really talks about how great her Jesus is. Jesus, I mean, Amanda says that she's a Christian. And yeah, I know she works for church. I know she's you know, goes to church every Sunday and she's got great morals. She's beautiful. The best friend ever. But, you know, if Amanda was just a bit more crazy and just spoke a bit more about this Jesus, I think I'd actually be a bit interested. 
but it can't be that great because she hardly ever brings it up. Like if, if there was just a little bit more excitement, a little bit more freedom, it would be really easy for me just to say yes. But she wouldn't hear any of that. And that was just the insight that Jesus led me into her thinking, whether she thought that way or not. But it challenged me because I was doing no field work. I was doing no, you know, it might not have been me that brought her to Christ, but I could have been someone that, gave, that threw out the seeds, but I didn't. I threw out tiny little half seeds that wouldn't grow into anything. They'll grow into something, but Jesus wants us to be brave. He wants us to honour him. He wants everyone in our workplace to know that's the person to go to if you've got sick people in your world. That's the person you go to if you want to know how to celebrate. They know how to do it. They talk about this Jesus, I don't believe in him yet, but boy, he sounds like something. They're the kind of people that just give everything and they still have stuff. They do crazy things, but they're they're all right to talk to. They're not super weird. Do you know, where can we bring Jesus more honor? Where can we lift him up so the world can see him clearer? And see, that's where you go if you want Jesus. The people know where to go. The people know who to look for when they're really crying out. Do they turn to you? Make it known that you believe. Make it known that he is the center of your world. We're going to go into a time of worship. But if you're here in this place and you know that there's an area in your heart, in your life, that you want to bring before Jesus, I want to pray for you. Maybe you know that you need to trust in him and who he is and stand on his word. Maybe you're allowing society around you to dictate when and where you can honor him. Or maybe you just know you need to just worship him regardless. We're going to a time of worship now. And then we'll pray. Thank you, Jesus. What a beautiful name it is. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. Come on, let's lift them up. What a beautiful name it is. Nothing compares to this. What a beautiful name it is. The name. What a beautiful name it is, what a beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a beautiful name it is, nothing compares to this, what a beautiful name it is. 
dishonouring God through sin. God spoke to me and said, you can break free of that. It's not as hard as you think. The devil plays on it like a plague and makes it bigger than it is. And like that woman, she says, would you trust me? Would you come before me? I won't reject you. I won't push you away. I love you. I love you, he says. If you're here and you're struggling in that area, I encourage you that you can trust him. You can trust him. If you're here and you just know that you need to bring more honor to who your Jesus is, why don't you just raise both your hands in the air? Jesus loves you so much. He is so crazy about you. He is so dedicated to you. He is your rock. He is your constant and he will not fail you. He will honor you as you honor him. As you give, he will give back to you, pressed down, shaking together. together. More than you could ever imagine. Lord, I lift up every person in this place. And I know, Lord, that you can work with an honest person, Lord. You can work with someone that will just lay their life at your feet and say, use me. Help me to trust you. Help me to honor you with my life. And I lift up every heart in this place that desires to lift the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords above every situation in their world, above every shame, above every embarrassment, and bring you the glory, who you who have no rival, you who have no equal. 
Lord, you deserve all the honor because you are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. And you deserve all the honor and all the glory. And you chose us. And you chose us to reveal your glory to this world. And I just speak your boldness and your courage into every heart in this place as they go out into their world to lift you up. May that be their number one mission, to honour you in every conversation, to honour you when they wake up or when they go to bed, to honour you in their mind and in their soul and all their being. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, we're going to go on to a praise song. So what do you give God a hand? Let's go out praising him. Why don't we give Amanda a hand? That was an amazing, challenging word.